Bleak Expectations by Mark Evans. Volume 2, Chapter the Third, A Recovery All Made Miserable. Curses and swearingness. My daughter and her wretched journalist husband are due here soon, and I simply know they will be late. Mr and Mrs Sowerquill, sir. But this is unheard of. You're early. And I see, dear Papa, that we catch you by surprise. Well, trouserless. But how are you early? Sarquil has lateness running through his veins like a Frenchman has patty and arrogance. Your daughter has given me a special portable time clock. How is that enormous device portable? Oh, it is easily carried by two strong men, or nine weak men. <laughs> the size is due to the complexity which makes it so accurate. Ah, 17 minutes past two. <laughs> My dear husband hasn't been late for three days now. Impossible. <laughs> ah, 17 minutes and 20 seconds past two. Is it necessary for it? <laughs> For it to be quite so precise. I, I could not be prompt if I did not know it was 17 and a half minutes past two. <laughs> and now, dear Papa, we have news. Your clock <laughs> is more irritating than a pair of rough tweed pants at a jogging contest. <laughs> sir, well, destroy it. Yes, oh. sir. I'm afraid it is rather robust, sir. It is made of wood from the little-known titanium tree. The news, sir. <laughs> Use the house cannon, sir, Will. Certainly, sir. Oh. Clocks should be like women. They should stand in the corner silently and once a year receive a good servicing. <laughs> Poor Clive the clock. Now, uh, you have news. Is it regarding your pregnancy? This morning we visited the birthing hospital and we had this to show you. It is a six-month, guess-at-what-the-baby-looks-like painting. Oh, I can see his little fingers and toes. Uh, and is that a tiny starched collar? Yes. The doctors say he will be a barrister. Oh, splendid. <laughs> uh, now, shall we continue with my story? Let us first have a minute's silence for Clive. <laughs> Although, how will we time it without him? We won't. And so, I begin. When last we left my younger self, I was entangled with the evil railway baron, Emmett Sternbeater, as the train we were fighting on plunged over a cliff. As I fell, I cursed the late Sir Isaac Newton. Before his invention of gravity, people would survive such falls by, by floating gently to the ground. Then, with relief, I saw we were falling into a mattress orchard. <laughs> Their softness would break my fall. But alas, the mattresses were not yet ripe. And <laughs> were consequently <clears throat> incredibly hard. Ah, 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 ah. I fell from the mattress tree onto the stony, hurty, quite possibly killy ground. <laughs> 
and Sternbeater uh, landed beside me. Ow! Ow! Ah, uh, I'm more of a man than you. I only said ow twice. <laughs> you said it three times. Now, you may have survived the fall, but you will not survive me. I could not move as he limped towards me. What is that chuffing, sir? No! Luckily, fate intervened in the form of the locomotive we had until recently been fighting on. It, too, had plunged off the cliff and now struck Sternbeater, crushing him to the height and width of a very unpleasant and intestine-filled plate. Oh. I immediately fainted from a mixture of disgust and my own terrible injuries. The next thing I was aware of was being lifted by strong yet holy arms. Who are you? Save your strength, my child, for you have been rescued by the Reverend Godly Fecund. <laughs> Thank you. I passed out once more. The next weeks were a blur. I hovered on the threshold between life and death, wondering into which realm I had been invited and whether I should have brought a bottle. <laughs> I suffered from fearsome fevers, and with them came horrible hallucinations. That's it, Pimpin. You lie there and die, while I hold your sister and her stupid children captive. Mr. Benevolent, my treacherous ex-guardian, why are you so evil? Because every morning I take two evil pills and some naughtiness supplements. And why have you got the head of a purple lion? Good answer. Now die, Pip. Bin, die. No! In my twilight world, I remember being fed simple soups, broths, and casseroles, but mostly I slept and tried not to die. Then, one morning, I awoke properly and found myself in a pleasant room with embroidered quotations from the Bible around the walls, along with pictures of the devil being shot, strangled, whipped, burned, and oddly playing billiards. <laughs> The Lord be praised, you're alive. Reverend Feckund, you remembered. The fever has not melted your brain. Where am I? You're in my parish of Poverty St. Mary. To me, it seems the most blessed place on earth. Actually, it's horrid. Here the people are constantly hungry, and the only way I can keep them from starving is by holding Holy Eucharist 87 times a day. <laughs> the communion wafers just about keep them alive. But I have had plenty of food these past days. All made from communion wafers. The Church of England provides a virtually limitless supply. You've enjoyed communion wafer soup, communion wafer pie, communion wafer crumble. They have nursed me back to physical and spiritual health. I thank you. It is my daughter you should thank. You have a daughter? I have 17. 16 are wed to men of good standing. Four of them alone are married to the Earl of Polygamy. But my eldest daughter is a spinster. Her late mother would be most upset. Your wife died? Alas, yes, giving birth to hexadecimuplets. <laughs> How can such an excellent nurse as your eldest daughter remains unmarried? Ah, well, it is her own fault, for she is far too ugly. <laughs> Nevertheless, she has nursed you with her own fair hands. Well, ugly hands. Her own blotchy, ugly hands. <laughs> I should like to meet her and thank her. Step forward, daughter, but, but not too close, lest your repulsive features turn him to stone. <laughs> Mr. Bin, this is my daughter, Miss Ripley Feckund. 
You, you are wearing a veil of thick hessian. Oh, I would not assault the world with my lack of beauty. It cannot be that bad. Oh, it is. <laughs> In her presence, farm animals would die. <laughs> and their last cow or sheep or pig words would be ugly, ugly, ugly. Alas, I am a quite remarkable moose. Though that would be unkind to the moose. Nevertheless, you have my thanks. Indeed, my beloved troll-faced daughter. You are owed the thanks of both the young men we've recently saved. There is another. Oh, would you like to meet him? I was as weak as a newborn kitten or an incredibly old cat. But the reverend and his daughter helped me across a corridor and into another room where I saw a familiar figure in a bed. Harry! Harry Biscuit! Pippin! Why, the very sight of you makes me warm to the ends of my ears. You know each other? This is my best friend, Harry. The last time I saw him, he had just eaten his way through a collapsed beef wellington tunnel. <laughs> How are you, Harry? I was terribly weak after digesting all that beef, but these kind people fed me up again. I have eaten so much communion wafer pie that I am now practically made of Jesus. <laughs> the Catholic transubstantiation heresy! <laughs> um, I mean, I'm now practically made of symbolic Jesus. That, that is far more Protestant. Come, Ripley, we shall leave these two friends to reacquaint themselves. Yes, Father. Besides, if I stayed, a draught might lift up my veil. And if they saw what an utter munter I am, their health would relapse, possibly unto death. They left us, and Harry and I eagerly caught up on our news of the past weeks. I've mostly been asleep and close to death. Yes, me too. Which didn't take long. <laughs> Over the next few weeks, my respect for Miss Ripley Feckon grew daily as she nursed me. And indeed, with her wise counsel and strong soul, she became a sort of sister to me. Soon, however, we were strong enough to leave. I wish we could repay your kindness before we go. But we must search for my wife Pippa and my children, who are Pip's nephews, as Pippa is his sister as well as my wife. For they have been captured by Pip's evil ex-guardian, Mr. Gently Benevolent, who is also Pippa's evil ex-guardian, which I suppose makes him the children's evil ex-grand-guardian and my evil ex-guardian-in-law. I know you leave for a noble purpose, and yet... Why? There are so many abandoned houses. Oh, no, no. People still inhabit them. The windows are all boarded up. To avoid the notorious window tax. With no windows, you cannot be taxed. But the doors are bricked up as well. Oh, to avoid door tax, most people have bricked themselves in. And there is shortly to be a wall tax and a tax tax. A tax on small nails? No. <laughs> a tax of 30% on all your other tax. So many new taxes. They are recent introductions of the new Chancellor of the Exchequer. I missed so much while I was ill. Indeed, unless something is done, the village will die. Harry, I have made a decision. I must stay here to help this village. It is the least I can do after the kindness we have been shown. But what about Pippa? Noble friend, you must search for her alone, for I must right wrongs here, while you have wrongs to right elsewhere, and neither of us shall rest while any wrong remains unrighted. Yes, I will. That thing you said. I will do that. It sounded great. Fare you well, Harry Biscuit. Not if I fare you well first, Pip-Bin. Harry marched boldly off on his search, and my thoughts turn to how to save Poverty St Mary. Who is your local Member of Parliament? It is Sir Bentley Snoutin Trough. <laughs> then we should confront him. He must take action on your behalf. Sir Bentley, I come to protest at the eye-watering and ear-blistering tax regime which this village labours under like a 
tortured fiscal mule. But I was barely seven hours of glorious oratory in when I realized something. Furthermore, and what is more, and Thomas More, I would like to add. <laughs> Hang on a second. Are you even alive? Indeed, Sir Bentley was not. He was, in fact, dead. It was an easy mistake to make. The dead, glassy eyes, the utter immobility, the cold, hard look on his face. Uh, these were all attributes of most members of Parliament. There must be a by-election tomorrow. Let us hope his replacement is better. In fact, let us guarantee it. But how? I shall stand for his seat. And when I'm elected, I shall work in Parliament to save Poverty St Mary. Oh, dear Pip, I would throw off my veil and kiss you, but the sight of me would make your teeth cry and your ears swap sides. <laughs> we hurried to prepare for the by-election, but on the way saw a surprising yet familiar figure. Harry, but you were meant to be looking for Pippa. I cannot find her. It is like trying to find a Pippa in a haystack. And I looked in a haystack and she wasn't there. <laughs> You must not give up your search so easily. You are a resourceful and noble man. No, Pitbin, you are right. I shall develop a special system to locate her. And once I have located her, I shall surely find her. Harry marched bravely off again like a determined badger searching for his kidnapped badger wife. <laughs> and spurred on by his example, Ripley and I went to prepare for the by-election, like two badgers preparing for a by-election. <laughs> Will you be a Whig or a Tory? Neither. I shall be an independent, mixing the best aspects of both. Then you are to be a twig or a hoary. <laughs> no, no, twig is better. Now, I have a copy of the electoral roll so we can find out whose votes we must court. Do you know a Mr. Bert gone? Alas, he is dead. Oh, how sad. Just cross him off. Do you know a Mr. Alf snuffed it? Alas, he too is dead. Mr. Nathan stuck in coffin? <laughs> Almost every voter was dead from poverty and disease. Indeed, there was only one left alive. And the only person whose vote we need is your father, the Reverend Godly Feckhams. Oh, wonderful. Why, here he is now, returned from hunting heathens. Ah, dear Mr. Bin, is that the winner of Britain's most misshapen goat competition you have with you? Oh, no, it is my daughter. <laughs> Any luck hunting heathens, father? Alas, no. I did catch a Methodist in one of my snares, but he gnawed his own leg off to escape. <laughs> Reverend, I need your vote to become a Member of Parliament. Then you shall have it. Then the election is in the bag. As is my daughter's head, due to her hideous ugliness. <laughs> I had been assured of the Reverend's vote, but I was taking no chances. Every hour throughout the night, I woke him up. What, what is it? Just wondering, can I still count on your vote? Uh, of course. I accompanied him to the polling booth. Don't forget to vote for me. I, I won't. And then nervously waited outside. There, it is done. You voted for me? Vote? Of course, that was what I was meant to do in there. What did you do in there? You don't want to know. <laughs> Finally, he returned to the booth and voted. There was now a nerve-wracking wait of almost two minutes while the vote was counted by the returning officer, who was also the Reverend Feckand. As we waited, towards us hurtled a carriage containing a gaunt figure, his arms waving like an evil windmill. I cannot allow this by-election to continue. Mr. Benevolent, you are too late. The vote is being counted. But if you are an MP, it will stop my evil plan of corrupting Parliament for my own ends. You didn't hear that. <laughs> Here are the results for the constituency of Poverty St. Mary and Dreadfulness North. Mr. Pip Bin... Twig party. One. <laughs> and I therefore announce that Pip Bin is our new Member of Parliament. As Chancellor of the Exchequer, I demand a recount. You are Chancellor of the Exchequer? 
Yes. What better job can you think of for an evil, undead villain? <laughs> then you are the reason my village suffers. Oh, what do you know? You've got your head in a bag. <laughs> How dare you insult the woman I love as a sister, even if she does have a face like a donkey's backside? <laughs> Gentlemen, I have done the recount and the results stand. Then I am an MP. I shall thwart you, Benevolent. And I shall thwart you right back. See you in Parliament, Pip-Bin. The Reverend and Ripley accompanied me to the stagecoach, but as we approached... Here, Pippa. Good girl, Pippa. Come to Harry. Here, Pippa. Harry, why are you still here? I'm looking for Pippa. Here, Pippa. And this is your system for searching? Yes. It doesn't work. <laughs> Although I have found nine dogs called Pippa. <laughs> is it not ten? Oh, no, this one is just my hideous dog of a dog. Indeed, Father, for I make yoghurt by simply looking at milk to curdle it. Enough! Dear Ripley, beauty is more than skin deep, for you have inner beauty. Certainly not on the outside. <laughs> I do not care. Miss Fecund, Ripley, will you remove your veil for me? I'll fetch a sick bucket. <laughs> no, your kidneys might pop at the sight of my mantiferous visage. Your face cannot harm me. Please? Very well. Shyly, she removed her veil. Right, God. I have a face like a bag of particularly malformed spanners. Not at all. You're a very handsome woman. I was lying. She was only handsome if one used the word handsome in the sense of repulsive. <laughs> For a start, she had two noses. But then... Um, may I touch your second nose? No, touch me not. I ignored her and reached out my fingers. And as I tugged at it, it came away in my hand. Why, this second nose is made of pastry. <laughs> it is not a nose. It is a volivant. <laughs> and your forehead ear. It is merely a piece of ham coincidentally looking like an ear. I'll have those. I'm a little peckish. Let me pull them away. Ripley, you are not ugly. You are beautiful. But how did this happen? It is all my fault. What do you mean, Papa? In happier times, we gave great fates and parties. At one such occasion, when you were three years old, you were running with childish eagerness, and you tripped and fell headfirst into the buffet. <laughs> that is how this food became part of my face? But why did you not remove it? I asked God, and he said, don't. <laughs> he then went on to say, after all, your wife is dead, and you are a man who cannot cook or clean or sew. Without someone to look after you, you might die of hunger or mess or of not having something sewn on properly. <laughs> if your daughter is ugly, she will never marry and she will stay with you forever. God said all that? Yup. <laughs> but now, I am not ugly and so I might marry. Alas, you may now be beautiful, but you are far past marrying age, for you are nearly 22. <laughs> Ripley. Yes? I wish to propose... Oh, my blood runs hot with newly found passion. That you write to me while I am gone. It will help fill your spinsterish hours. Yes, the long, loveless hours as my body desiccates will pass delightfully with some letter writing. Now, to London, Harry. Poor Ripley. To think she was ugly all those years, and only now, deep into middle age, 
to discover that it was merely buffy scarring and that she was actually a bit of a cracker. <laughs> I missed her, as one might miss a sister. I missed her sisterly laugh, her sisterly wisdom and her curvaceous and yet sisterly body. <laughs> I yearned to press my brotherly lips on her sisterly mouth <laughs> until the sight of Parliament drove all other thoughts from my head. Parliament. It was a dark and foreboding place. The corridors were lit with the burning bodies of traitors and French people. <laughs> and twice hourly, a dozen peasants were admitted to the building for a good kicking to remind them of their humble position in society. Worse, we had arrived on a Thursday, which was scary organ night. Harry, you must continue your search for Pippa. Actually, I have a better idea, for I have decided to invent a Pippa detector. How will that work? It will detect Pippa. <laughs> right. Leaving Harry and venting his heart out, I entered the chamber for the first time, ready to battle for poverty St Mary. But my first setback came almost immediately. The House will come to order for the Speaker, the Right Honourable Jedrington Sternbeater. Another Sternbeater brother. Was there no end to this family who were my worst enemies after Mr Benevolent? I call upon the new member for Poverty St Mary and Dreadfulness North, Pip Bin, who incidentally has killed two of my brothers and six of my cousins. <laughs> Thank you. I want to... And that's lunch. <laughs> we returned from lunch and I tried again. I would like to... Post-lunch snack time. <laughs> Parliament was organised around a complex system of breaks and intervals. The day started at nine and then stopped almost immediately for a tea and brandy break. <laughs> this was followed by a cake and brandy break, a sandwich and brandy break, a plain brandy break and then elevenses. <laughs> when people say that politicians are drunk on power, they are wrong, they are drunk on brandy. <laughs> The only person who ever got anything done was Mr. Benevolent, who proposed bills in the tiny fractions of time between breaks by speaking incredibly quickly. Honourable members, I would like to propose... <laughs> Excellent. We shall vote on that on our way to high brandy. I automatically voted against his proposals, but the other members always voted with him, thanks to his placing a barrel of brandy and huge plates of delicious-smelling meat in the eyes lobby. Oh, brandy! Delicious-smelling meat! I think I'll vote yes. Luckily, Harry's work on his Pippa detector was coming along well. Behold my Pippa detector! How does it work? There's a miniature steam engine inside which propels tiny wheels. Then, all you do is say into the top, Pippa, dearest! And if she is nearby, she'll reply. Unluckily, his invention was rubbish. <laughs> that sounds as useless as my parliamentary career. Speaker Sternbeater obstructs me at every turn, but why? Stopping only to arm myself with a secret weapon, I marched directly to the Speaker's office and demanded an explanation. It is quite simple. I hate you. And why do you let Benevolent get away with everything? Because I love him. He's my best mate. <laughs> Mr Speaker, are you drunk? No, I'm not. Do you fancy a curry? <laughs> what acts is Mr Benevolent passing? I shall never tell you. Now was the moment. 
From my pocket, I produced my secret weapon. Not even for this kebab? <laughs> You're all right, you are. Giz it here. <laughs> he guzzled the meaty snack and slid over a sheaf of documents. I wiped off the chili sauce and scanned through them with mounting horror. They were all acts designed for the benefit of Mr. Benevolent. And then I saw the last one. But this states that on the first day of next year, the King will appoint Mr. Benevolent in his place as tyrant of all Great Britain. Ooh, brandy nap. So, my plans are out in the open. You are a monster. And soon to be a very powerful one. The King will never sign these into law. He doesn't need to. If the House of Commons votes unanimously, they become law instantly. But I oppose them. Yes, you did. Damn your principles. Your silly, honest, goody-goody, boy scout, prissy-ponsy principles. <laughs> but I will destroy you, and then I will rule the country with a rod of iron. No, actually, iron seems a little too nice. A rod of spiked and poisoned evil metal. I will never let you triumph. Oh, I rather think you will. I watched as he went to a trunk in the corner, opened it, and stepped back. Pippa! Dear brother! Now, if you do not vote for my bills, your sister will meet a certain friend of mine. The deadly, bitey, fighty, scratchy, stingy sloth. The deadliest, slowest animal on the planet. Do not fear for my safety, dear brother. Act as your conscience demands. Very well. I will not sign your bills. So be it. Unleash the sloth. He opened a secret compartment in the trunk, and we beheld the cruel claws and malevolent yawn of nature's slowest assassin. Why, the sloth is not even awake. It cannot harm me. Then, from a thermos, I saw him decant a dark liquid. Sloth coffee, you villain! <laughs> I flung myself at Benevolent. Thought I'd show you my Pippa detector in action, Pipbin. Oh, well, you seem to be fighting Mr. Benevolent. I'll come back later. Harry! No, you're right. You can watch it while you fight. Um, here goes. Pippa, dearest. Harry! Dear husband, Harry! It works! My Pippa detector works! Overjoyed, Harry flung his Pippa detector to the ground. As he did, sparks flew out from inside. They landed on Benevolent's pile of evil legislation, which caught fire instantly. No! Foiled by fire! Good work, Harry! Yes, that was entirely planned. But the fire... <laughs> the fire did not stop there. The walls of Parliament were soaked with centuries of brandy fumes, and they rapidly caught light. Very well. You may have foiled me, but now I'm going to see you fried. Goodbye, Pippin. With that, Benevolent ran from the room and locked us in. We are trapped. And the sloth is waking up. Oh, no, it's all right. It's gone back to sleep again. <laughs> Meanwhile, the flames had taken their fiery hold. We held each other close and wept. Was this finally the end? What happened? You wept so much it put the fire out? Yes, that is it. It is not, you brainless divot. So what did happen? Not now. If you return next week, you will find out how we escaped the deadly fire only to face charges of treason and utter ruination. And also how I found the love I had for so long been searching. Only to have it ripped from me in the most savage way possible.
League Expectations was written by Mark Evans and starred Richard Johnson as Philip Bin, Tom Allen as Young Pip, Anthony Head as Mr. Benevolent, Jeffrey Whitehead as Sternbeater, Susie Kane as Pippa, Sarah Hadland as Lily, James Barkman as Harry Biscuit, David Mitchell as the Reverend Godly Feckund, and Mark Evans as sundry gentlemen and members of Parliament. It was produced by Gareth Edwards. Yeah.